Welcome to this podcast by SendCenter.com. All relationships have arguments, so today let's look at how we reconnect. So you had an argument and perhaps you feel distanced towards your partner. That happens in most, if not all, relationships from time to time. And there's nothing fundamentally unhealthy about having an argument. Even the most stable couples have this. How we repair, however, is really important. Do you pretend it did not happen and just move on? This could work for smaller issues, but if it's an attachment fear we talked about in my previous podcast and video that was triggered, or if it's resentment or big disappointment, then it does need repair or it will hang and affect the relationship underneath for a long time and you'll have a lot of conflict that might seem unrelated to that issue that was unresolved. So now it's time to reconnect again. We'll talk a lot more about how to have repair conversations in another video and podcast. For now, let's reconnect a little and just get your connection back. Here are some ways I suggest to re-establish connection and intimacy. The first one is very simply eye contact and way underutilized. Our eyes are one of life's most amazing mysteries. Through our eyes, we let the world in. Through our eyes, we search for each other, we see each other, we connect and have the potential to connect with other human beings. We convey that we are here, that we are interested and we have value for the other person we are with in this precious moment. Through the eyes, we also show vulnerability. Healthy emotional attachment in nurturing is through eye contact with where we show availability and attentiveness and it helps infants to grow and develop emotional healthiness. Although we are wired with a longing to connect, we may not take full advantage of our eyes, which offers a remarkable capacity to connect us with others. People often complain that their partner does not make enough eye contact, which can leave them feeling lonely and disconnected. We want to be understood, appreciated, seen and valued. And while we want to be seen, we also at the same time can fear being seen due to judgment or shame. And so we avoid eye contact and lose that connection as we look away to not feel shamed. So there's a few things I really would love for you to pay attention to in regarding to eye contact. When people look at you, what happens inside of you? How do you feel in your body? Do you welcome eye contact or shrink by it? Is it frightening? Does it make you feel nervous? At what point do you divert your eyes and look away? Is there something inside you that you don't want others to see? Being seen is something that we obviously all long for, but it can also be terrifying because it shows our most vulnerable parts. What might they see? Our beauty? Our goodness? Our wonderfulness? Or do we fear that they see something ugly about us or something that we think they won't accept? whether it's real or imagined. Perhaps they'll see our flaws, our unworthiness or insecurities. Part of being a socially acceptable individual, part of being a socially accepted individual means our tenor is always out, silently probing for any hints of shaming, criticizing or rejection, and is trying to protect us from this. If we look away, we don't have to bear the brunt of any possible negative perceptions of us. So a typical sign of shame is people looking down. We can spare ourselves the shame of being seen in a dismissive way. 
When you look into each other's eyes, do you notice yourself judging them or simply being present with them? Do you tend to put people in a box or do you look at them with open curiosity, spaciousness and availability to be connected? Perhaps if we practice a more open way of seeing people, staying relaxed with our breath and our body, allowing our eyes to soften, being with them and letting them in, we'll notice how our presence allows them to relax and move towards us. The more we hold ourselves with gentleness and caring, the more we may find ourselves to be present through our gaze, especially with people we feel close to. Eye contact along with the connection it may bring can become a kind of mindfulness practice, staying present with each other. If it feels right for you, perhaps notice how you feel extending your gaze with your partner, settling into more relaxed eyes with a good friend might also bring greater fulfillment. What is happening in your stomach or heart as you gaze into your partner's eyes? Do you experience delicious warmth and expansiveness or fear being seen or losing yourself? Can you stay with your bodily sensations rather than leap out of yourself as we notice a delightful or threatening feeling? This doesn't mean staring at people or making them feel uncomfortable. There's a natural rhythm of looking at people and looking at way. When it feels right, perhaps we can hold our gaze a little longer. Just a simple moment of human connection. Life becomes more fulfilling as we become present to the rich connections that are freely available if we just realize them. Dedicate five minutes to sit or lay down with your partner and gaze into each other's eyes. Try not to judge them, but to focus on compassion and see the world from their view, their story. Take notice of your own body and keep breathing slowly and deeply. Number two, being present and responsive to each other's needs. Hopefully the eye contact has made you feel closer and that will make it easier to become more responsive to your partner's needs. When we're emotionally drained or triggered, we can't be as responsive to our partner's needs. So that's why we start by establishing calmness and then some connection through eye contact. By now you'll likely both be ready to listen to the other person's needs. We address how to discover and express your needs clearly in another section, another podcast or video, and in the ebook. Right now it's just important you both take turns in expressing what you need. Be careful not to fall into any blame traps and tell the other what they did wrong. Focus on what you need and as a listener focus on hearing their need too rather than getting stuck in you feeling inadequate or fearful that you might not be able to fulfill that need. It's not your obligation to fulfill anything at this stage. If you can't give it to them for any reason, such as it might violate your boundaries, your capacity might be you might be over your capacity, then remember you don't have to fulfill every need. It's not your responsibility, but you do have to acknowledge every need and show acceptance and understanding so they feel heard and seen. And when you can't accommodate the need, then sit with them in their disappointment and show understanding for how disappointed they feel. Ensure them you'll be there for them as they process that disappointment. We'll talk a lot more about this in another section in the ebook and future podcast, How to Deal with Disappointment. Number three, share vulnerability. Now we get to the heart of core of intimacy and connection. We spend our life trying to control our circumstances so we can feel safe. We built all these walls and defense mechanisms so people can't see us and therefore can't judge us. 
but in doing so we lose connection and intimacy both with ourselves and with others. I'm not suggesting that you go share everything with everyone you meet. That would not be safe or wise. What I'm suggesting is build trust with your partner by slowly revealing things about yourself and seeing if your partner responds with acceptance or judgment. Then you can choose to open up more over time if they are accepting. Intimacy or connection happen through our vulnerability or more precisely through experiencing our vulnerability being accepted. The very place most people are too afraid to go because it exposes us and makes us lose control. There can't be strong intimacy and connection without letting go of some control and taking risk. Intimacy lies in the ability to surrender. Once we realize that the fantasy of the one and the only one person can give us what we need, we also lose part of the fear of opening up to that vulnerability. The scarcity mentality and feeling only this one person can give you the acceptance we need makes the fear overwhelming and the risk too big to open up. Once you realize this is a lie and that many people can give you acceptance in this life, then it becomes less risky to open up to a partner. Because if they don't have the capacity to accept you, then somebody else very likely will. This does not mean that you should simply dump them because they don't, can't accept you straight away. It can take time. If they respond by judging you, then it's likely because it triggered some insecurity or fear in them. Try to remind yourself it has nothing to do with you. And if you can address their insecurity, anxiety or fear, they can likely accept that part of you too. It's fear that stands between us and acceptance. And after much work, understanding and trying to help them overcome their fear, they still can't accept you. Then you must decide if you can live with this or if you want to find a partner that can give you that acceptance and deeper intimacy. Knowing there's not only one that can accept us makes sharing so much less scary. Vulnerability is a side of us that we rarely or perhaps never show others as we fear judgment. It's a judgment that makes us feel vulnerable. But when we experience acceptance, we no longer feel as vulnerable. We heal and not only experience more intimacy with our partners, but also the acceptance provides freedom and intimacy with ourselves as we start becoming to terms and accepting that part of ourselves. The single most misguided advice is we have to learn to love ourselves first. As neuroscientists have documented, we learn to love through our experiences with other people. So while I understand the saying learn to love yourself first fits our culture of individuality that we should take care of ourselves and stand on our own feet. It's what makes us feel in control if we don't need if we feel we don't need others. We can't ignore it's simply incorrect and contradict everything science has taught us of the human mind. We do need each other and we learn to relate to ourselves and the world through our relationships. Our relationships can heal us and teach us to love others and eventually ourselves, that is very true, but first we need to have that experience with others. When we are exposed to acceptance, our shame dissolves and we feel much less vulnerable. And in letting go of control, we actually gain control because their power to judge us loses its grip. In the desire section, and I'll get to that much later in other podcasts, and it's covered comprehensively in my ebook. You can read that we need to keep some things hidden to keep mystery, but we also need to expose ourselves for intimacy, and it's about finding that balance. You might ask, but how will I know what the balance is? And the answer is actually quite simple. When you lose desire and attraction, it's generally because you're getting too comfortable 
and too close. What you need is some distance and mystery put back into the relationship. When you feel disconnected, you need to share more vulnerability and create closeness and intimacy. If you feel both closeness and desire, then you found the right balance. If you feel safe with your partner, then try to sit with them. You get five minutes each to share a vulnerability, something that you hide and prefer others not know about you. This will likely feel scary and that's a good thing. It means you're sharing something vulnerable. If it doesn't feel scary, you're likely not really sharing vulnerably. The more vulnerable, the bigger the reward can be in terms of connection and intimacy. The key to turning vulnerability into intimacy is to feel what we share is accepted by our partner. So let's go over the steps in this exercise here. Number one, share a vulnerability. Remember, the more vulnerable it feels, the bigger the reward might be. But only share something that's very vulnerable with a partner you trust and when you previously experienced or revealed smaller vulnerabilities that they have accepted. While the reward is bigger for bigger vulnerabilities, so is the risk if it's not accepted. That's why I always recommend testing the waters with smaller vulnerabilities to see how they're received. Once you have a lot of trust built, then you can share deeper ones. The second step in sharing vulnerabilities is to deal with triggers. After you share, it's likely that your partner will get triggered because what you share could bring up insecurities, anxiety or fears or attachment wounds in them. This has nothing to do with you. For example, if you share a sexual fantasy of multiple partners, it might make your man feel insecure that he's not good enough or that he might that you might want to leave him. Do not try to avoid negative emotions when sharing vulnerability, because part of the process is that your partner also gets a chance to heal from their wounds when they get triggered, and it's an amazing opportunity for both of you to become more free. This is just as much a healing exercise as it's a road to more intimacy. So you feel freer, accepted and loved, and they too feel less anxiety, fear and more freedom. That's what I call win-win. So if your partner is triggered and they can't show genuine acceptance, that's why you must deal with this part first. Remind yourself that their reaction has nothing to do with you, with your vulnerability, but are unprocessed and unhealed wounds from their past. Get them to follow the three steps above if they're very triggered um, that I talk about in another podcast and ebook of how to calm themselves down and then you can re-engage once they have established calm. This can be physical movement that they do to release their stress and then after that deep conscious focused breathing and then it can also be attachment reassurance. So those three things can help calm them down. And obviously the third part of this attachment reassurance, you have to be part of reassuring them that they're safe and you don't want to leave. I recommend that you get professional or they get professional help to deal with any big wounds that comes up but that might be beyond the scope of your capacity within your relationship. And this could be somebody trained in EFT, emotional focus therapy. Um, they're specifically dealing with attachment issues if that's what you think. Or it could be someone who's done something like somatica, somatica method or somatic experiencing. And of course you can contact me to get references if you want. The third step here in the vulnerability exercise is to experience acceptance. If you've not had this experience before, then I can tell you it's one of the most wonderful experiences we can have as a human being. To feel completely accepted and seen by someone we care deeply about and are attached to. 
while it can feel nice to be accepted by strangers, it does not have nearly the same healing impact as being accepted by someone we are strongly attached to. This is the space where love, intimacy and connection can really flourish. So as a listener, your part is to use empathy to understand your partner's world, needs and desires. This starts with a curiosity to understand your partner rather than judge them. Remember, if you feel the need to judge, it's likely because part of you is fearful and triggered. So that could be a great way for you to look at what those triggers are so you can heal them. Imagine you're a child without these pre-recorded ideas about the world and what's normal or how people should act, think or feel. Imagine you don't have all your attachment wounds, insecurities and you're not enough and fears that you'll be left. Instead, you know you're enough and your partner wants to be with you. That's why they're here sharing their vulnerable parts with you in the first place. It's because they want to deepen your connection and attachment to feel closer to you. If they reveal they have a foot fetish and only get really aroused by feet rather than view the world through the lens you've been given a preconceived notion of what is normal or good, try instead to look for the opportunity to learn more about your partner and their world. This is a beautiful diversity of human emotion, uh, experience and behavior. And keep remember that you don't have to fulfill these fantasies so there is no pressure on you. When we stop being scared and can let go of our own categorization and judgment, and these are really just ways to seek control and feel safe, then we open up curiosity and empathy. Different is not dangerous. A foot fetish, while you might not understand it, is not a danger to you or your relationship. Unless you judge and shame your partner so they stop sharing their real selves with you. If you welcome them in their vulnerability, then a foot fetish could be an interesting way to learn something new about them. Often we feel threatened by new as we feel safe with what is familiar. The new parts you see in your partner does not negate what's already known and familiar to you. Neither does it mean your partner doesn't want you anymore. In fact, it's just the opposite. They share because they want more closeness and this is a perfect opportunity to build it. It's okay if you feel what we call negative emotions or that you get triggered. It's normal, so don't judge yourself. Just go back to step two and work your way through the process until you feel safe again. Find your inner child curiosity where judgment has not had time to manifest itself. When you find it, you'll feel empathy and can show your acceptance. So the question is, how do you show acceptance? Once you've dealt with your triggers and found a place of curiosity, then it's time to express that, that acceptance you feel to your partner's vulnerabilities. This can be done in many ways. Here are just a few suggestions. Share with them what you find wonderful about their vulnerability. This could be something like, I love X, Y, and Z. It's so beautiful to see those parts of you. Show how much you value and appreciate their vulnerability and that what they shared is welcome with you. Second one could be celebrate their vulnerability by making it an experience and sharing your enthusiasm. While words are powerful, experiences are even more powerful. So if the vulnerability they share does not overstep your boundaries or capacity, then you could live out an experience involving their vulnerability so they get to experience acceptance and action. You can still use words before, doing and after to express your enjoyment of sharing this experience together. So I know this was a long video and podcast, but I really hope you practice and get tons of value for that. Have fun and see you soon.